What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Specifically, go check out EthosFantasyBB. That is where all of our new baseball and fantasy baseball content will be posted throughout this offseason. If you're somebody who wants to start producing content, reach out. We are hiring writers, podcasters, people to work for our Twitter accounts, posting information on there. A bunch of positions are open across all of our major sports, so please do reach out specifically for baseball, of course. But if you're interested in basketball, football, hockey, soccer, whatever it is, we'll get you in touch with the right people. So please do reach out if that's something you are interested in. Now, today we're going to mix things up a little bit. We're going to be looking at steamer projections. They came out last Sunday or Monday. I think it was last weekend anyway. But we've been looking at some different content this week. We were looking at the draft that I did in Arizona on Monday and Tuesday. And then Wednesday and Thursday, we were continuing with our positional review shows looking into the outfield. Now, we're not done with the outfield yet. There are still a ton of outfielders to go over. But I think this is kind of a fun way to spend Friday looking at some of these projections and just seeing how accurate we think they're really going to be. There are some that are a little bit, maybe a little bit crazy, specifically on the pitcher side. We're not going to look at the pitching side today, though. We're going to look at batters, and I'm going to be going over the five standard Roto head-to-head categories, and we're going to be seeing who is projected to lead these respective categories. And we'll go down the list a little bit. We'll look at the top few names and just see generally what makes sense and what doesn't here. So we will start with home runs, the guy projected to lead in home runs. And I think it's worth noting that these projections are done based on like 50th percentile projected outcomes. This isn't, you know, projecting them to 100% of their abilities. This is kind of like a median middle, uh, middle kind of projection for what we expect these guys to do. With that said, the guy they project to lead in home runs is once again Aaron Judge. They're projecting him to hit 42 home runs over 150 games. And that's the max they projected anybody for is 150 games. I guess that goes to the whole 50th percentile thing. I don't know in depth what goes into these projections. I don't think a lot of people really do based on the talk I've seen over on Twitter. But they are fairly trusted. They're over on Fangraphs. If you do want to follow along, you go to Fangraphs homepage. And then you go to the projections, and Steamer is going to be there besides Zips and besides Steamer 600. This is just Steamer. This is not the Steamer 600 projections. These are just the Steamer ones. And Aaron Judge projected for 42 home runs. It feels about right if he got 42 home runs. I think a lot of people would be disappointed, but in reality, they probably shouldn't be uh, reaching that 60-plus home run mark. We see how rare that's been in history. And to repeat that in history, I think Sammy Sosa is the only guy who's done it multiple times. And, of course, we know how Sammy Sosa did that. So, I mean, we can't really expect Aaron Judge to be doing that year in and year out. 42 home runs as the median projection feels pretty okay. I think that he could probably go a little bit higher. I mean, maybe. I'd have to see what they project. And I don't think you could even view this for, like, the 100th percentile best case outcomes. I'm guessing they'd have him somewhere in the 50s for home runs, which would probably be about as much as we can hope for, 50-55. So 42 feels about right, and I think with all these projections, they're going to feel generally right, but also generally kind of a little bit off at the same time, which is, I know it sounds weird, but there are some things that just, it's exactly that. They feel like they make sense, but they don't altogether. 42 home runs for Judge, 107 runs, 103 RBIs, and a 275 batting average is what they haven't projected for. It feels right. But at the same time, without knowing where he's going to land, it's hard to really say what he's going to do. I don't think he's going to go to a bad rebuilding team. We used that argument a couple days ago with Brandon Nimmo. 
of his value is really determined by where he goes. I don't think that that is the exact same with Judge. It is to a certain extent. I think that he's going to hit 40 home runs roughly wherever he goes, whether he's playing in Comerica or if he's playing for the Astros, which obviously neither of those are going to happen. I don't think anyway. I hope, hope that Christ he doesn't go to the Astros. I don't think he will. But that's just, I mean, 40 home runs feels generally like what he's going to do wherever he goes, whereas there's other players that might be influenced a little bit more by their landing spot. I think he will be a little bit for runs and RBIs, and those are the things that may fluctuate. 107 runs, 103 ribbies. It's totally within the realm of possibility. But I think we need to kind of hold off on exact projections for him until we know where he's going. If he goes back to New York, you have to assume that they're going to add some other pieces around him because just judge in that lineup. I mean, it's fine. Uh, Rizzo, let's say, I think Rizzo's a free agent. He comes back. Um you know, they bring back some other pieces. It's fine, and he did an amazing job this year, like 130 runs, 130 RBIs. But that's not something we can really expect to happen year in and year out. Uh, I, I think that this is fine for the for these projections for him, but at the same time, we don't really know. So let's move on. I don't want to spend too much time on any individual player today. There's a lot of things I want to get over. Next up, in terms of home runs, they have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. projected for 40, and his projections are pretty close to judges, 102 runs and 113 RBIs. They also project Vlad to play 150 games, and he has been a pretty durable dude. Now, we have talked about, I think it was about a week ago, talking about, um, actually, no, we were talking on, yeah, it was, it was a week ago. It was last Friday when I was going over some first-pitch Arizona fun information, and it was Derek Cardi who was talking. He was on the Beat the Shift podcast with Ariel Cohen and Tristan Cockcroft, and they were talking about how we, you know, tend to overestimate our ability to project injuries and project health. So 150 games probably is going to be like on the lower end of what Vlad's going to do, assuming he's healthy. I think that you know that whole 50th percentile thing they have to just factor in. Maybe there will be some injuries along the line. But they also don't want to you know, project them too low. There are some players here who are projected for less than 100 games. Uh, obviously, they're not going to do that with Vlad when the track record is durability. But we can't lean too much into that when projecting down future seasons. You just really don't know. So 40 home runs, 102 uh, Yeah, sorry. 40 home runs, 102 runs, 113 ribbies in a 292 batting average. <clears throat> that feels, yeah, uh, again, generally kind of correct for Vlad, but it also could be kind of light depending on what the Blue Jays do. I think 113 RBIs, that's probably about as much as we're going to see. And he has the highest projected RBIs heading into next year at 113. That's probably not going to go too much higher. I think it was 97 this year. And last year it was like 112 or something, probably in that range somewhere. Like, uh, you know, 105 is probably what you can expect from him. Uh, 113 is probably, you know, if that's the 50th percentile expected outcome, that seems kind of crazy. He's probably not going to drive in 120, 130. He could. He's capable of it. And the Blue Jays are talented enough to have that, you know, those guys on base regularly enough for that to happen. But it's also kind of a lofty number, and I wouldn't read too much into that. Sure, he'll, I mean, there's a good chance he will lead the league in RBIs, but 113 does feel a little bit much for Vlad Guerrero. We keep going down this home run board. 39 for Trout, 39 for Alonzo, 38 for Schwarber. One that's really interesting here, 37 home runs they're projecting for Fernando Tatis, and that is in 125 games. His projections are pretty interesting. 37 homers, 92 runs, 94 RBIs. 20 stolen bases in a 283 batting average. That's probably about the lower end of what he's going to do if he's healthy. The power is going to be there. He could realistically hit 50 home runs, even though he's missing a couple of weeks, which is probably not going to happen. 
But if he plays 130, I think he's going to miss 20 games. Let's say he plays 130, 135 games. I don't think there's any reason why he can't hit somewhere above 40, 45 home runs. 37 feels a little bit low for me. But, I mean, I guess like everything else here, these 50th, 50th percentile projections are going to do that. To some players, they're going to look a little bit better. Some are going to look a little bit worse. I think generally it feels, I mean, it doesn't feel really bad or good. It feels pretty correct. But there are some things that don't make as much sense. So one spot below him here, projected for the same amount of home runs, Jordan Alvarez. He's projected to hit 37 home runs across 141 games, 93 runs, 105 driven in, and a 284 batting average. I think that we have to project Alvarez to hit more than 37 home runs. I think that's what he did this year. Let me just pull it up real quick. I think that was what he was about at this year, despite missing some time. I think it was the month of August where he really had no power at all. And yet he was still able to hit, uh, let me see here. Um, I just put in Alvarez, which is my fault. There's too many Alvarez's to search through. 37 home runs he had in 470 at-bats. We're projecting the same thing from him next season in 532 at-bats. I think you give him 60 more at-bats. He's likely to figure out a way to hit more home runs. Specifically, if he's got that hand problem figured out, which you know you have to assume he will after a long layoff in the offseason. And I think that 37 home runs for him feels like a really conservative projection. I think that 40 minimum would be what I would expect uh, out of Jordan Alvarez. As we head down this projection board, the next thing that really stands out to me, it's going to be two guys right beside each other, Byron Buxton and Eloy Jimenez. The main problem I have here is the games played that they are projecting 146 for Eloy and 130 for Byron Buxton. Now let's start with Buxton. He's done this one time in his career was 2017 where he played 140 games. It's hard to project that he's going to play any more than what he's done these last few years, which is 92, 61, throw away the short year, 87, 28. He's just never healthy. So to project him to play 130 games, that's a pretty liberal projection there. And I don't really understand it. I mean, if he's healthy, sure, then he will reach these 32 home runs that they project him to hit. Sure, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, 82 runs, 81 RBIs, 9 steals might be kind of hard to come by for Byron Buxton, I think. I don't know how much they're really going to run him. He did run a little bit more in the second half of this season, ended up with 6 stolen bases. But to project 9, I think, uh, you know, especially as the 50th percentile outcome, it feels a little disingenuous. I think that that's kind of, you know, really expecting the best out of him when we don't really have much reason to expect the best out of him. So that one is, is one I'm going to kind of throw away here. I'm not looking at that as any kind of indication of what I expect for next season. It could happen. Sure, he could play 130. He could play 150. But he's given us no reason to believe that. And I talked earlier about how you can't really forecast injuries you can forecast the guy who has been injury prone for six years now, five, six years, whatever it is, and you can say, okay, I'm not going to project that he's going to play any more than 110, 115 games at most. You can't really do that. It's, I don't think it's really fair to the people who are going to be looking at the projections. Not that I'm trying to you know, you know, go insult these guys or anything like that, but I just think it feels, it feels unlikely. It feels really unlikely for a median outcome, and I don't think we can really expect 130 games out of him. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. It's a very similar argument that can be made for Eloy Jimenez. We've never seen him play more than 122 games. That was in 2019. The 2020 season, you can't hold it against him. He played 55 out of 60. Then last year, 55. This season, 84 games. He's not playing that much these last couple of seasons. To project him all of a sudden for 146, I, I don't really understand it. 
The only thing that might lead me to believe that he is capable of that is if he does, in fact, turn into a full-time DH. My conversations this weekend, this past weekend with Mike Carter, good friend of the show, Chicago native and a diehard White Sox fan, he thinks, and I think that they have talked about it in their local media there, that he's been told, essentially, leave the glove at home for next year. We don't want you sniffing the field. And in that case, I'd be more confident in it, for sure, that he can play close to this number. But even then, he's, he's an injury-prone dude, and I don't even like to throw that around. But the guy gets hurt quite a bit. He does some foolish things. We saw uh, last year heading into spring training, he like jumped over a fence, hurt him. I forget what he hurt exactly. But it was like spring training. He went and leaped for a ball that was way out of his reach. Uh, Mike Carter tells that story quite a bit. And it hurt him. Well, there's no reason for him to get injured in that kind of manner, and he missed a bunch of time. He's just not intelligent out there in the field. So if they are going to leave him on the bench or have him DH more often, specifically DHing more often, then sure, I'm going to be a little more interested in him. But these projections feel really lofty uh, for him to expect him to play 146 games when that would be exceeding his career high by 24. I don't think that that's going to happen. Again, I could be wrong, but him and Byron Buxton here, these projections feel like, honestly, I'm going to just be ignoring them. They don't, they don't really mean much, if anything, to me, these two particular guys. And I, I just don't think we can really do too much with it. If you want to, then by all means, I just don't think that we can expect these games played totals. That, that's all it comes down to. Let's move on from home runs. We spent a lot of time on the home run topic, although that was kind of just a general conversation as well. Uh, let's move on to runs. The guy that they have projected to lead in runs is Juan Soto. Number two is Ronald Acuna, 112 and 111 respectively. This makes a lot of sense. I can totally see these guys attaining these numbers. Uh, they only have actually, how many guys? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys projected for 100 runs. <clears throat> Soto, Acuna, Judge, Betts, Trout, Guerrero, Springer, Julio, Freeman, and Jose Altuve. That makes a lot of sense. That group makes a lot of sense. I think all those guys can hit 100 runs. George Springer might be a little bit tricky just based on kind of injury concerns with him, and he's another guy. They haven't projected for 146 games. I don't think he's going to play 146 games if you watch George Springer play. He flings his body all over the field. Very little regard for his own health and well-being, <clears throat> which is good you know, for the team. He's going to help the team win a couple more games here and there because of that, but he'll also end up missing some time because of it. You just watch George swing, any given swing, it looks like he could get hurt. And I don't think he's going to play 146 games. You can group him in that same category as Eloy and as Byron Buxton. But the top of the leaderboard here, Soto, Acuna, and Judge, and Betts, I think that these all are pretty decently uh, decent guys you can project for over 100 runs. Judge, like we said, it's a little bit trickier. But I don't think he's going to sign with a crappy rebuilding team and lose a bunch of runs. He's going to sign with at least an equal or better team than the Yankees. Maybe he goes to San Francisco and they're not quite as good of a team, but I still think 100 runs is, is reasonable to expect from him wherever he goes. Um, the RBIs, I think, will probably fluctuate a little bit more. The runs, I think, are probably going to be safe. Again, I could be wrong, but I think they're probably pretty safe for him there. Uh, Acuna and Soto, I think uh, I've talked a lot about these guys, specifically Acuna. I think it'll be a big year for Ronald Acuna, and they have him projected for 31 homers, 36 steals, and a 270 batting average. I believe he is their only projected 30-30 guy. Uh, yeah, he is. They have him projected as the only 30-30 player, and I could totally see that out of Ronald Acuna. The home runs will come back for sure. Uh, in terms of everything else, I think they'll be about the same. 
Maybe we see the steals go down a little bit. I don't know if we can expect 36. They project him to lead in stolen bases. Uh, we'll get to that more a little bit later. I don't know if I'm going to expect that from him. Maybe the power comes back. He doesn't steal quite as much. Doesn't feel like he needs to. Maybe we see that number go down like into the mid-20s. Uh, but generally, it feels pretty correct. 111 runs for him. At the top of that order, I think that they are arguably the best lineup in baseball. You could maybe say the Dodgers. If you want to say Houston, hard to argue Houston right now. Uh, or maybe even the Mets. You could make an argument there. Yeah, maybe not the Mets. Blue Jays, there's a few lineups that could put in contention there. But I think that Atlanta is pretty comfortably, in my opinion, uh, you can make an argument, the top two lineup in the league. And Acuna batting at the top, we've talked about how he's a year removed from the ACL injury. His projections feel pretty correct. If anything, maybe the steal's a little high. Uh, but those runs, they feel, they feel pretty good. Now, as we go down the run leaderboard here, first thing that really stands out to me is Brandon Nimmo. And we talked about him a couple days ago about how we can't really project so much right now for Brandon Nimmo. Uh, those 95 runs, that's probably not going to happen in all honesty. Like he had 102 this year. Let me see. It was 102 batting for the Mets. If he goes to a team that is not a great team, then that projection is going to go way down. And even 95, he is the top projected run score outside of those guys who have 100 runs. So we mentioned Altuve, Freeman, Springer, Julio, blah, blah, blah. And then it's Brandon Nimmo, ahead of guys like Alvarez, like Tatis, like Alonzo, like Jose Ramirez. It's really, really stupid, honestly. Like, it makes no sense. We don't know where he's going to go. We don't know if he's going to be leading off, if he's going to be in the middle of the lineup. He's not a guy where you have to lead him off. He's not a crazy speed guy. He can get you a couple steals. What was it this year? Three steals. Uh, he's not a guy where he's necessarily going to lead off wherever he goes or even bat at the top of a lineup. He could fit in as an eight or a nine guy in a lineup. And I don't think it would be that crazy, depending on where he goes. He comes to Toronto, hypothetically. He's batting 8th or ninth, Maybe 7th or something like that. He's not scoring 95 runs. Even on a good team, like a, a big part of that is batting at the top of a good lineup. Maybe it happens again. Maybe it doesn't. But I wouldn't be going into my drafts and looking at this saying, holy shit, look at Brandon Nimmo's projections. The guy is going to do 17 home runs, 6 steals, a 270 average, 95 runs. I wouldn't look at that as more than just pure, complete speculation. We talked about Brandon Nimmo, about how I like him. I like him around pick 200 as kind of a flyer at the end of your Yahoo drafts or in the middle of one of your deeper leagues, perhaps, if you're on like an NFBC format. But this seems really lofty for me. So 95 runs for Brandon Nimmo, that's the big thing that stands out from the run leaderboard is him. One other thing that kind of stands out, not just for runs, but for everything, is Trey Turner. And he's another guy where we don't know where he's going to go. But we can project him, I think, a lot more uh, liberally than what they have done here. 89 runs. They project that he's going to have less runs than Brandon Nimmo. On what basis? Like, I, I, I don't understand. I really don't. He had one more run than him this season. Or, excuse me, one fewer run than him this season, which is just really because Trey Turner was batting second or third a lot of the time. Going into next year, it's a brand new slate. And all things being equal, which they are, neither of them has signed yet. I don't know how you can project that Brandon Nimmo is going to score more than Trey Turner. That makes literally no sense to me. And his projections in general, Trey Turner, pretty conservative. 285 average, 19 homers, 23 steals. If you were just to look at this, you probably wouldn't be looking at Trey Turner as a number one overall draft pick, which he most certainly is. Trey Turner for me, is the one zero one regardless of where he signs. He is the highest floor across all five categories. 
and they don't have him projected to have a bad season still. Like 89 runs, 79 RBI or 78 RBIs, 285 average. It'd still be like first round production. But it really, really feels like they've held back a little bit on someone like Trey Turner. They think he'll play 150 games, but they don't think that he'll hit that many home runs, steal that many bases, and they think he'll bat 285. I just, I don't understand it. The runs specifically as well. Six below Nimmo. Who else do they have projected above him for runs here? That doesn't make sense. Brian Reynolds? They think Brian Reynolds is going to score more runs than Trey Turner. Some of these names, I haven't gone over every single name on here. Sometimes one will just jump out at me and be like, what the hell? What are we doing here? And that one specifically. Uh, even, you know, Reese Hoskins, I don't think he's going to score more runs than Trey Turner. Although there's some chatter that maybe Trey Turner goes to the Phillies, which would be pretty good for his fantasy value, I think. Uh, it's not like a bad move when there could be some guys who switch teams where there is a bad move. I don't think there is a bad move for Trey Turner. Philly would be good. Anywhere would be good, really. And I think that these projections are really, really conservative for him. So there's certain guys you have to look at, and you just can't really take it so seriously. <clears throat> those guys we mentioned before, Eloy, Buxton, Springer, those projections don't mean a hell of a lot to me. And the same for Trey Turner. I think we know what Trey Turner does. Maybe he only hits 19 home runs next season. That's possible. But for, to project him to go down across the board in all five categories, there's really no reason for it. And I think, again, it's kind of disingenuous. Maybe it's because they don't know where he's going to go. Maybe it's because I have no idea. I, I really don't know why you can project him this low, but it does not make really any sense to me. Let's talk about RBIs. I don't want to spend so much time on RBIs because we really have no idea. They're not really even an indicator of a guy's talent. It's more of an indication of the team around him. And we already mentioned it earlier, Vladimir Guerrero, 113. He's projected at the top, followed by Pete Alonso, 108. Jordan Alvarez at 105, uh, Austin Riley 104, Judge 103, and then Kyle Tucker, Raphael Devers both projected for 100. Those are the guys they have projected for over 100 RBIs. I think that it's probably pretty reasonable. I don't know that Devers is going to do it. I mean, we, we don't know what's going to happen with the Red Sox. If he'll even be on the Red Sox, I would not be surprised if Raphael Devers does get traded and this year was a bit of a down year for him, so I don't know that we can expect him to jump back up without something else changing, uh, especially in that regard. Maybe his average jumps back up or jumps up farther. Uh, you know, Maybe the home runs jump back up. But I don't think we can say with any degree of certainty that runs or RBIs are going to go back up for Devers, which is what they're projecting here. Uh, how many runs they have projected for? 91. Well, that's only seven more than last year. But even that, I don't think there's really any reason for it other than just hopeful, wishful thinking there. The Red Sox are a dumpster fire right now. They're the worst team in the American League East, and they don't really have many assets. Uh, J.D. Martinez, kind of old, not really great anymore. He might not even be there. Bogarts might not even be there. We have no idea what this team is going to look like. So I think that that's probably a little bit lofty to expect 100 from him. He's totally capable of doing it. In 2021, he had 113. But I don't think without there being some other moves made, either Devers going out or other pieces coming in, you know, confirmation on Bogarts, I don't think we can project him this high. I think that that's probably asking for trouble to expect 32 homers, 100 ribbies from him. I think 32 homers, sure. Uh, 91 runs is, is possible. But 100, 100 runs batted in, I, I wouldn't be expecting that. Now, as I go down this leaderboard, there's something else I wanted to mention. Didn't really know the exact place or time to mention it, but I think we'll do it here. 
Joey Manessis. I think that these are insane projections for Joey Manessis. Uh, 29 homers, 91 RBIs, and a 264 batting average. This is another one where you have to ask, what the hell are we doing here? A 30-year-old who's played 56 Major League games. Granted, he was excellent last season. He had a 324 batting average, 13 home runs, 34 driven in, and a steal during that time. But we're talking about a terrible Nationals team. An absolute, again, dumpster fire of a roster. I don't know how we can possibly expect that he's going to play. Well, first of all, is he going to play? Is he going to be someone that they even want to give playing time to? Or are they going to want to develop the young guys? That is the first question. Second question, I guess, will he even be on the Major League roster with the Nationals next year? I know he was really good. He probably earned a spot. Maybe they trade him. Maybe he doesn't break camp. Maybe they fully expect, like I'm expecting, that that was just a miracle sample of 50 games. That's not really sustainable long-term, specifically in this lineup. When you say 29 home runs and 91 RBIs for a career minor leaguer on a terrible, terrible team, I laugh. I, my reaction is I want to laugh. And I, I, again, I do not mean to be disrespectful. These are done not individually by hand. They are done by some kind of computer projections or whatever. I, I don't know exactly the process. But you have to kind of just laugh when you see Joey Manessis projected this high. Please do not be drafting him with the expectation that he's going to be a 30 home run, 90 RBI guy. It's just not going to happen. I want to quickly pull up his ADP for this year. I don't think people are expecting that. Um, but if, if you are, then you, you really shouldn't be. Let's see. He is going pick 220. Even that feels probably a little bit high. It's not terrible. But, I mean, that's probably about as high as I would possibly push him up the board. Uh, pretty pretty sad stuff when you look at Nationals and their ADP. The highest guy being drafted off the Nationals, just make sure the filters are all right here, I think, so I'm not making a mistake. Yeah, Kybert Ruiz, I picked 202. He is the highest projected, or not the highest, he's the highest uh, National by ADP next season. There is not a single guy going in the top 200. I'm sorry if there's Nationals fans listening. That is, that is depressing. And I'm sure you want to have faith in Joey Vanessas that he can be a stud, it's just not going to happen. How often do we see this kind of thing? Someone coming up at 30 years old, 28 years old, 32 years old, having a nice little stretch. It's a good story. And then, you know, you rarely hear about them for very long. And I think Manessis is going to fall in that same exact bucket. We'll talk more about him further down. We'll, t- well, for sure, when we do our national review show, our Washington Nationals review show, and when we start talking more about our outfielders, we'll talk about Joey Manessis. I am just not going to be projecting him the way that a lot of people are. I think that that's maybe not a lot of people, but the way that Steamer is, it just feels really wrong on a number of levels. So let's move on. Let's talk about stolen bases. And we mentioned it already. Ronald Acuna, he's projected the highest with 36. That's cool. Cedric Mullins, 30. Jorge Mateo, 30. And now we get to another problem here, and it's Alberto Mondesi. Now, he's projected for 123 games. I don't know. You don't know. I don't know. Mondesi is a riddle wrapped in an enigma. He's played 50 games over the last two seasons. 50 games. He has surpassed 100 games one time. It was in 2019. Every other year, 47, 25, 75. He played 59 out of 60 in the short season, and that's, I think, what leads us to still buy back into him because there's no reason to otherwise. I, I just I can't, I can't get behind it. Even though it's only 123 games they're projecting, 
That's if he plays 123 games, then he'll be a top 50 or close to it fantasy player. 14 home runs they haven't projected for, 29 steals, 55 runs, 57 RBIs. Now <clears throat> the Royals may not even bring him back. He might be non-tendered. He might end up some. He may end up somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know what to expect with Mondesi. I just know that I'm not going to be drafting him. Uh, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You get fooled a third time, I don't know who you're blaming anymore. And I think other than just yourself again, he's just not somebody we can rely on. If you're getting him, you know, really, really late in drafts, maybe. But don't expect that he's going to play this many games. I'm very curious what his ADP. Can't be that high. 240. Minimum pick, 150. Maximum, 360. That shows you the range here, even though we're only talking about, what is it, 17 drafts still? Yeah, 17 drafts. There's a 200-plus pick range. People are really unsure about him. And projections like this might lead people to jump up the board and take him. I would really not be doing that if you're getting to the 250 kind of range. Sure. Then you're not really risking that much. Specifically, if you're playing on Yahoo or ESPN and you don't have that big of a roster, you know, 10, 12-team leagues, if he's your last pick, sure. In my home league this year, which I somehow ended up winning in spite of drafting him and Walker Bueller and Juan Soto, I still won it. He was like my seventh round pick or something, and I got fooled. I was an idiot. I was expecting, you know, we'd get at least 100, 110, 120 games, whatever. We can't expect it with these injury-prone dudes. And I know that we can't forecast injuries, but when a guy has spent his entire career injury-prone, to all of a sudden expect that he's going to have a big blow-up next season, not even a blow-up, but just, you know, a full healthy year, I think it's really unwise, and specifically with Mondesi, like he is a meme. He is a meme in the fantasy world at this point, which is, and he's a, he's a human being. It's, it's awful, but it's true. He is the poster boy for hoping for the best and never getting it. So I'm not going to be buying in based on these projections, really for anybody, but specifically guys where I see the games played projected are a lot higher than what we usually see from the guy. That's a red flag for me. Mondesi at 123. It could happen. I don't think it will. <clears throat> Next here, Jake McCarthy. He's projected for 28 steals across 141 games. We don't know about playing time. We don't know if he's even going to be starting in that lineup. I mean, I, I hope he is, but they're not exactly lacking for outfielders. Uh, you know, they have Corbin Carroll. They got Alec Thomas. They got Dalton Varsho. McCarthy's going to play some. Is he going to play consistently every single day 140 times I'm not sure that he is I want to pull up the roster resource here over on Fangraphs and just see what they have depth chart wise um let's see here I, I think that he's probably currently projected in that starting lineup let's see Alec Thomas they haven't projected in the lineup right now but there's a long way to go and they haven't projected about third here too I don't know that we can really expect that. I wouldn't expect that between Corbin Carroll, between Varsho. I think Alec Thomas is probably still going to get a chance. That's the question. Is it going to be Alec Thomas or Jake McCarthy? And I, I honestly don't know. I don't think it really anybody knows. But to project 141 games for McCarthy, 15 homers, 71 ribbies, 71 runs, 260 average, 28 steals. It feels lofty again. I mean, especially if we're projecting 50th percentile outcomes here, he should probably be closer to like 120 games, 12 home runs, 17, 18 steals. It feels like a lot to expect this. So I, I'm not going to be looking at this as any indication, like pretty much everybody that I need to buy in based on these numbers. 
John Birdie's the next guy. He's projected for 28 steals, but they haven't projected to play 97 games. And here, uh, you, some sanity. Yes, Birdie misses time, so we have to factor this in here. 97 games feels about right. If he steals 28 bases in that time, probably very similar to what he did this year where he'll be a short-term pickup or you know, an indefinite-term pickup, and you pick him up until he's not helping you anymore, which is what people pretty much did this season. He had about, I think it was a month or so of value, six weeks or so of value, People held on longer than that, but that's about how long he was actually producing for. If he does that again next year, you add him up, sure. And I think that this is probably fairly accurate for him. 97 games, maybe he goes over. Likely he doesn't, and I think that they're projecting it fairly correctly here based on who we know him to be. Um, 97 games, 7 homers, 52 runs, 34 ribbies, a 240 batting average. It all feels correct for John Birdie. I, I don't want to just shit on these, on these projections. Certainly, there are some things that you need to point out and question because they don't make sense. But with John Birdie, that one pretty much does make sense. And as you head further down the board here, generally these names for the steals category are not so crazy. Uh, Jazz Chisholm projected for 26, a Rosarena 26, Julio 25, Tommy Edmond 25, Starling Marte for 24. It feels like maybe a touch high, but I'm not going to argue so much about that one. Uh, Trey Turner 23 feels a little bit low. Um, most of them feel pretty okay as you head down the board. Nothing too egregious one way or the other, other than a couple, you know, Mondesi, McCarthy. Those ones feel like you probably shouldn't be trusting them, but nothing really so terrible as we head down the board here, uh, down the stolen base leaderboard anyway. Now the last category we're going to do, we'll finish off the standard five categories, is batting average. This one is interesting because they only have one player projected to bat over 300 this year. You probably figure out who it is. It's Luis Arise. Now, the rest of his projections, they're all right. Seven home runs, seven steals, 55 ribbies, 81 runs. If he does that, then he's going to be a very valuable fantasy asset, probably settling into the 120, 130 overall value range. And I think that he's probably likely to hit 300 again. Um, I think that maybe you see a couple of guys here who are a bit lower than they probably should be. Uh, I think Freddie Freeman projected at 293 feels a little bit low. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero, 292. I think he can hit higher than that. An interesting one here is Stephen Kwan. They think he'll hit 283, but they're projecting him to hit 11 home runs and steal 16 bases. If he can do that, then we're going to be very happy. That's what we talked about with Stephen Kwan a lot this season. That, that was the main thing he was lacking for, you know, to have standard league relevance. And he ended up getting that standard league relevance because he was stealing bases. His batting average ended close to 300. But he finishes the 82nd ranked player over on Yahoo this season. Number 82 in total rank with six home runs, 19 steals, and a 298 batting average. Let's say he has the same kind of line with 11 home runs. You're talking about a top 65-ish player. Top 70, top 65. And I think that that's possible. Now, we talked about Quan a couple days ago. If he starts hitting for more power, he's probably not going to steal the same amount of bases. The average might fall off a little bit. And that's kind of what they're projecting. But if he does this, 141 games, 11 homers, 87 runs, 58 ribbies, 16 steals, 283. I'm going to be really happy if he's able to do that. Now, I do think he can hit closer to 300. And there's a lot of guys here I think can hit closer to 300. Juan Soto, they haven't projected for 281. Feels a little bit low. Uh, I think he can hit a lot closer to 300. Uh, they have Julio and Michael Harris. Interestingly enough, I've compared those two a lot both projected for 276. I think they could probably go a little bit higher than that, you know, 280 to 285 kind of range. 
Uh, nothing else here feels too out of place. Everything feels pretty correct for batting average. They're fairly conservative. Uh, I'm only having one guy projected to bat over 300. It's not going to happen. We're going to see more dudes hit over 300. And I kind of wish they were a little bit more conservative with their games played projections. That's the one gripe that I'm going to have with the steamer people is that there are guys who we almost certainly know are not going to play the amount of games that they're projecting and that they're hoping for, but yet they're still you know listed in the 140s, 130s range, whatever it is. And even if it's the 120s range, like Alberto Mondesi, sometimes you just can't trust that number. So projections are good. I would look at a lot of different projections as opposed to just one. Look at ATC in particular, the Ariel Cohen's projections, because they take all the projections. It's an aggregate of all of them. Uh, you know, the bat, steamer, and zips, and all the rest of them. And he kind of puts out his own version of an aggregate of those other ones. It's typically the most accurate. That's the one that I like. I, like, I met Ariel this weekend. Good dude. He's going to come on the podcast. At some point, we're going to talk about those projections. And I think that I would use those more than any other ones. But I do think you should look at a bunch of them. Not, Of course, not just any old you know, random sites projections. But if you're looking on fan graphs here and you're looking at all their different projections, I think it's wise to kind of look at all of them and figure out what everybody's saying collectively. And that's what ATC does. And I think that that's the one that we have to kind of look at more so than these individual ones. It's still good to take a look just to generally see. Maybe you get a laugh like with Joy Manessis. Maybe you get something confirmed for you, or maybe you get some, you know, some more hope ignited in you, like with Stephen Kwan. For the most part, though, I don't think that these are that actionable. I wouldn't be going into your drafts with these projections and saying, okay, uh, according to the steamer, this guy's projected for this, so I have to draft him over that guy. I would not be doing that. I think they're a useful, complementary tool for your drafts, for your preparation, but I wouldn't live and die by them, specifically not these ones and specifically not this early in the process. They will update these. I think once the season gets going, they will really start to kick in their upgrades or their updates, I should say. And then we'll have more stuff to go on. But guys, that is going to do it for us today. Really appreciate you guys continuing to hang out all week, all offseason. That is fantastic. We're going to be doing these shows every single day of the offseason. I know it's a lot, but we are going to be doing a, This is a daily podcast. And you know, just because there's no baseball... Doesn't mean we don't want to talk about baseball. Doesn't mean you guys don't want to hear about it. So for those of you who still listen, I really appreciate that. If you have not already, hit the five-star review button, whether it be on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen that allows you to rate. That really helps the show get seen more, and I really, really appreciate it. So if you could just take a couple seconds, hit the five-star, maybe leave a couple of kind words, that would be fantastic. Also, go hit us up over on Twitter. Ethos Fantasy BB is the specific one. If you want to follow my personal account, Joe Orico 99 But Ethos Fantasy BB is where all of our new baseball and fantasy baseball content will be posted this offseason, heading into next year and forever. That is the account. That's the account where these podcasts are posted every single day. I've been retweeting them, but I'd like you guys to go ahead and follow Ethos Fantasy BB if you could. Guys, that is it for us. We'll be back with more outfield. Well, I think actually we'll take a look at the steamer pitcher projections. Those ones are really out of whack, but we'll take a look at them on Monday. And then we'll get back to our outfielder review shows next week, starting on Tuesday, unless there's some other change. Guys, have a great weekend. We will see you on Monday. Take care and stay safe. Cheers.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.